Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Wow, what an amazing ride this has been to get to this place. I don't mean just mean our time in the funeral home, the, the, the nearly two years that we put in there. I mean, man, the last few weeks have been such a blur to get here to this point. And uh, I don't want to call anybody out in particular, but I, I just want to say this. There have been so many people that have given so much of their time. Like we were here until 1 a.m. last night, just making sure all the things were done and ready. We still have things that are undone. There's equipment laying everywhere, and we'll get to it. If you're looking for a perfect church, this is not it. Keep looking. Amen. Keep looking. But, uh, but we've done our best, and we've, we've, we've tried to strive with excellence to be ready for you today. So if you wouldn't mind, could you please give a round of applause to all of our volunteers who have put in so much time to make this place And uh, uh, can you guys see that coffee stain? I just spilled coffee all over myself. That's fantastic. The lights are going to light up everything. Every flaw in my being you are going to see underneath these lights. I'm a little nervous about that, but that's all right. So, so if it's your first time here, if you're a guest with us today, we want to say thank you so much for coming today. We have a t-shirt we would love to give you. Make sure you stop at the connection table on your way out, and you can pick up a free t-shirt. We'd love to bless you with that. Uh, let's welcome our guests here. Give them a round of applause. Welcome our guests you're here. Thank you so much for coming. We're looking at this room, it, uh, it looks like we're going to be at two services sooner rather than later, and that would be a wonderful, wonderful blessing. So invite your friends, tell them all to come back and hang out with us at Simple Church. Now, if it is your first time here, you're probably looking at me and saying, man, that guy looks, he looks horrible, he looks a little rough. Actually, what it is, is, is um, I'm doing No Shave November, so if you look around this room and you see a bunch of guys that look like me, I've tricked them into playing with me, so, so we are having a good time with that. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so, uh, uh, but like Tim said, please stay with us afterwards and, uh, and hang out with us, celebrate with us today. What a momentous day this is. It's very exciting uh, to be here with you all. So thank you so much again for coming. Now, we are in the middle of a series called the Parenting Boot Camp. And you'll, you'll you probably notice that our projector was not here. We'll get that set up next week. But, uh, but, but we, just, we just simply didn't have time. It was one of those logistics that needed to be worked out. But, uh, but you can follow along in your Bibles today. The scriptures are usually up on the verses, but we, and the verses are up on the screen. But, uh, but we are in the middle of a series called the Parenting Boot Camp, okay? And, uh, and next week is the last week we're wrapping this series. Why do I tell you about that now? Well, because I need your help. And so many of you have already participated and helped out. But I need your help. I need your questions. Next week, my wife and I are going to be set up here with Tim and Amy Tool. We'll be sitting up here as your pastors. And we are going to answer your questions about parenting. Now, we did this during the Love, Marriage, Baby Carriage series. And we did it live. And that was very nerve-wracking. So I learned from that, from the heartburn that I, I gained from that series, uh, I learned that we were going to get the questions in advance. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you've got a device, if you haven't done this already, get your device out and pull up your mobile browser and go to scspeaks.com. That's Simple Church, so scspeaks.com. And there, you can submit your questions about parenting. Now, 
what's, what's to motivate you to do it? Well, if, you, if I use your question next week, I will give you a gift card to Chipotle or Starbucks. So make sure that you, yeah, exactly. You can get on there, trust me, go ahead and get on there and do it right now while I'm talking, that's fine. Looks like somebody is over here. I can see your faces glow because it's so dark in here. I know you, you're playing Flappy Bird. I'm gonna see it, just know. All right, so, get, so make sure you look at scspeaks.com. You can submit your questions and we'll do that next week. Now, why do we do the parenting boot camp? Because we're trying to figure out how to take our kids from being these little, these little munchkins that we love, who the Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of every child, right? That's what the Bible says about a kid. And it's our job to take them and make sure that they are maturing mentally, that they are growing physically well, that they are maturing spiritually, and that they are growing relationally, right? And how do we do that? That's like a big big job, isn't it? It's a little overwhelming and it's always very, I'd like to use the word scary, right? It's very, very scary to do this because we have to step back as they're growing, we have to step back and let them make their own decisions and then endure the consequences of that, of those decisions, whether they're good or whether they're bad. We, we have to start letting them develop their own group of friends and sometimes we're nervous about the friends and the people that they bring into their lives. It's scary and then when they start dating, don't even get me started. You know what I'm saying? I think the boys that want to date my daughter should be more scared of me, her, her dating, you know what I'm saying? They should be scared of me. Anyway, <clears throat> I, think it's, I think it's scarier than spiders, it's scarier than snakes, it's scarier than public speaking or even germs, or I'm even going to go to far, so far as to say that, that parenting is even scarier than Ebola, right? It is more likely, think about this statistic, it is more likely that all of you in this room will become a parent than you will get Ebola. Now, did I just equate parenting to catching a disease? Maybe. I may have. I may have. But either way, it is, it is, it is way scarier at this point. And so, uh, do you guys know what the number one fear in the world is? There's, of course, not spiders. It's not snakes. It's actually flying. And if you, if, if you think about this, you can kind of understand why, right? You're 30,000 feet in the air. You're being piloted, piloted by a guy that you don't know. You don't even get to see that he's there. Right? You just get on the plane and you trust that he's there. You hear him, Mr. Captain speaking, we'll be uh, taking off in about 30 minutes. Which you know is a total lie. You're going to be there for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you've never met that dude. You don't know what his qualifications are. You have no idea if he can actually fly this plane. Right? It's scary. You get up there and then you're in this tight little space. If you're a big dude like me, that's horrible because then you get another big dude like you sitting next to you and then everybody sits like this. You know, it's just not, it's not comfortable. That's, that's scary, right? I get it. And I think it's fun because when you get on a plane, I, I, I don't know how, many, how often you fly, but I fly. I have flown frequently over my life. And, uh, and when I get up there in the plane, I think it's fun to look around and see people that are flying for the first time. Because you can totally point them out, can't you? You can tell. They're the ones that are sitting there. They have got the, the card out of the front seat. They are reading. They are listening intently. Every time the flight attendant speaks, they are smacking people. Shut up. She's talking. They are listening, right? They are intent. They're also the ones white-knuckling their seat, you know, when the flight takes off. They're like, oh, oh, they're the ones panicked. And, uh, and it's really, really easy to tell those people. And, and, um, and so, you know, it, and it's not like the airlines make it any easier to, to, to fly, right? Because when you get on there, they start talking about all these tragic things like, you know, hey, are you okay to sit here just in case of an emergency? Are you okay to sit at the fire exit door, you know? Can you open these doors and do that? And then they, they say, in case, you know, we, we, we have some turbulence or in case of, a, of a, uh, um, a water landing. Like, they try to use these soft words to describe the plane is going down, right? And the flight attendant stands up there and they talk to you about, here's what's going to happen. If we lose cabin pressure, these masks are going to pop down, and then you need to reach up and take that mask and put it over your face, 
And once you put it on your face, give it a gentle tug and the oxygen will begin flowing and you'll be able to breathe. Now, let me tell you something. If the plane is going down and that thing pops out, what's the difference between a gentle tug and a hard tug? Like, who's there to demonstrate that for me, right? This is gentle. That was way too hard. <laughs> and then, and then, can you tell I've had way too much coffee this morning? It's like, <laughs> And then Brett brought me another one. It's great. Thank you, Brett. And then, and then they tell you, you know, just in case you're going to land in some water, like, hey, by the way, your seat cushion turns into a flotation device. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought through that kind of stuff, but I think through that kind of stuff. And they're like, you want to put your arms through the strap underneath and, get, and hold it really tight. Now, I have tested. I have sat down and tried to lift the seat cushion off. It doesn't come off really easy, right? So it's like, who has time for that while this thing is filling with water and people are burning? Like, I mean, it's a horrible situation. <laughs> But you're supposed to take that off and you're supposed to hold it really closely. And I'm thinking, man, my legs and everything are going to be in the water and the sharks are going to get me. I need a few seat cushions so I can lay, you know. I don't want to get bit or, or eaten. And then the thought occurs to me that if I'm going to hold this seat really close, which side of the seat am I going to use? Certainly not the side I just soiled because we were crashing. <laughs> so, <laughs> guys, too much. I'm not trying to be crass, but honestly, think of it, it's pretty scary, right? But why do they tell you when the plane is going down to get the mask and put it on your face before you help any of the kids? See, this is the principle I want to talk about today, okay? They tell you to put it on your face because if you don't get oxygen, you aren't going to be able to help anybody if the cabin loses pressure. That's the point of today. We've talked about kids, and, and, uh, and we've spent a few weeks talking about what kids need, but this week is all about what parents need and what you need to be able to do. You need to be able to take care of, you. before you can take care of your family, you need to take care of yourself. Amen. As a parent, you have to do that. And so today we're going to talk about the five things that every parent needs. Because if you're not healthy mentally or relationally, if you're not taking care of yourself physically, or not growing spiritually through your relationship with God, then you can't help your family. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now look, it's not just talking about your physical heart, right? Actually, this verse isn't talking about your physical heart at all, although that's a good thing. Take care of your heart. Do, you know, eat your Cheerios and your oatmeal every morning. Do those things, okay? Get the good cholesterol going. But this is not talking about the, your physical heart. This is talking about guarding yourself as a person. Guard your, your uh, emotions. Guard your relationships. Guard your schedule. Guard how much you take on. Why? Because it's important that you don't burn out. They don't want you to take on so much and then just completely fizzle. Your family needs you. What happens if you burn out? Well, you essentially look like a zombie. You ever met anybody who's got a one-year-old? They're like a zombie. They're walking through life. The kid's sleeping. Like they don't, they, every time that kid goes to sleep, they are passed out. They are a zombie. That's how I was. I had twin boys, right? And they were, they were, I was beat. I don't even remember much of that time. I walked through life not connecting with anybody or anything except my pillow, right? And so when you burn out, you, you become a zombie. It's no wonder zombies walk around and go, brains, right? Because that's what you need. You feel like you've lost your brain when you burn out. And your family needs you to do that. And if you're walking around like a zombie, you lose influence. You lose the ability to help your family. And we need to be able to parent from a position of wholeness. 
And that requires you as a parent to take care of yourself. And I think if we're willing to be honest with ourselves, we, we aren't usually uh, uh, taking care of ourselves. We're not very healthy individuals, right? We, we eat on the go, which means that we're not usually eating very well. We, we, we skip our gym time to catch up with the sleep because of the Netflix binge that we did last night. You know what I mean? We, we, we're great friends on Facebook, but we're not really reaching out and becoming friends with our family and actual friends like real life people. And most of us haven't read a book since we got out of school, so we aren't growing mentally. So imagine if we said to our kids, imagine if we said this, hey, listen, this morning for breakfast, I had a stale Krispy Kreme donut. Come on, Jesus. Stale Krispy Kreme donut's still good, donut. You know what I mean? (laughs) Pop it in the microwave for 10 seconds, buddy. Eat it with a straw. So good. But imagine if we said to our kids, sorry, I digress. Imagine if we said to our kids, I'm a hot mess this morning, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Imagine if we said to our kids, hey, listen, I had a stale donut this morning and a thermos of coffee, so because I did that, you have to do that this morning as well. Imagine if I said, because I didn't get a break from work this week and I got to work this weekend, that you don't get to take a break even though you're out of school right now. That's silly, isn't it? That's ridiculous. What if we, say, what if we said to our kids, hey, you know, because I'm not growing intellectually today, you don't get to do your homework. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense, does it? All that would be ridiculous. So we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of our kids. Because honestly, our kids are monkey see, monkey do, right? What they see us do is what they're going to do. It's what they imitate. And so we spent the last few weeks talking about the kids. And and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do five things that every parent needs. Here's the first thing every parent needs. Less guilt. Every parent needs less guilt. And we all feel it on some level, don't we? We all feel guilty about the way we're parenting. We feel guilty about how our kids have, have developed. And, and, and every single one of us, we say, I should have spent more time. I should have taken them there. Or I should have bought them this. Are you hearing a theme recurring here? That word should? We should on ourselves, don't we? We, we make ourselves feel like we, like we should have been doing more. We should have done this. And that's all guilt. Or even worse, we let others pile that guilt on us. You shouldn't be so hard on them when you discipline your kids. Or you, shouldn't, you should get them more involved in sports. Or you should let them decide their own bedtimes, right? And as parents, we are guilt-wrapped, aren't we? We are overwhelmed with it. And it's okay to be self-aware and to like realize that you need to grow in certain areas. But, but that's way different than feeling guilty, being driven by guilt. And every parent is going to have regrets. All of us do because we aren't perfect. Some parents regret having a military style home because now you've grown up with an emotional wall with your kids. And other parents re- regret not being more of a disciplinarian at home because now your kids are running amok in their lives and they're wild and undisciplined. And, and some parents regret uh, being so busy and wish they had spent more time with the kids while others parents regret having been helicopter parents, right? If you don't know what that is, it means you just hover over them all the time. <laughs> Some parents regret not providing more opportunities for their kids. And other parents regret that, I, that they gave their kids so much because now their kids are entitled. and have this sense of entitlement that everything is supposed to be given to me. We all have regrets. To quote Frank Sinatra, regrets. I've had a few. And that's where I'll stop because the rest of that song, he totally disses his regrets. But we all have them. And ultimately, all you can do is your best. Right? Because your kids will decide. They will make decisions to either follow you, to follow the way that you, follow the the direction you have given them, to follow the life that you have led, or they will reject it. And they're going to do what they want to do, and they're going to have to endure the consequences, good 
or bad of those choices. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. There is a reason that this verse addresses two type of children. Because they exist, folks. They exist. There is a wise child who will follow your direction. And it's not that they're going to be perfect. But they're, in general, they're going to make more good decisions than they're going to make bad, right? And then there's kids that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what kind of punishment you give them, no matter how long they are grounded, no matter what you decide as parents to do to lead that child lovingly, they're going to do what they want to do. Because honestly, didn't we do that? Didn't we do that as kids? We did exactly what we wanted to. Even when our parents, like if mom ever told you to sit down. And if you guys are one of those people that said, oh, fine, I'll sit down, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how we are. We're going to do exactly what we want to do. But look, the thing is, is, is that people are not going to be perfect. Kids are not going to be perfect. Look at, look at the situation. I'm going to start with Jesus. Jesus, he didn't have any kids, but he did have 12 disciples. I was like having kids. You ever read some of the stories of the disciples? It was like having kids. He was constantly corralling them in. And Jesus had a Judas. A guy who completely betrayed him. A guy who followed Jesus around. Can you imagine? Jesus had a Judas, a Judas. King David had sons who didn't love God and were wicked. The high priest Eli in the Bible had sons who were so corrupt and out of control and rebellious that they were called scoundrels. Noah. <laughs> Noah gets drunk. He has a, he, he's a righteous guy. He's the guy who survives the flood and is going to repopulate the earth, right? He's a good guy. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and he lands the ark or the, it rests on Mount Ararat and the family's growing. And one day Noah decides he gets a little drunk and he passes out naked in his tent and his son walks in on him. Well, that's an awkward situation. Now, I have to say this. If you're a NASCAR fan, this is probably nothing new to you, but... <laughs> For the rest of us, this is like an awkward situation, right? You walk in on your dad laying naked in the tent. And then here's what Noah's son continues to do. He goes out and he laughs and makes sport of his dad with his brothers, right? Completely dishonoring him. And so some of you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, and I've been a parent for 12 years now and I've learned that no matter what I say or tell my kids to do, they're ultimately going to do what they want to do. So we need to have less guilt as a parent. Now, some of you say, well, that means you're freeing me of my responsibility, of my parental responsibility. Because what difference does it make, right? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. I am telling you, do everything that you can do, but ultimately, ultimately, your kids are going to make decisions, either for you or against you, like Proverbs said. The second thing every parent needs is a commitment to grow spiritually. Let me ask, you, ask yourself this question. Is my heart for God growing or shrinking? Is my heart for God growing or shrinking? And why is this important? Because you're the primary influencer, the primary spiritual influence in your kid's life. Some of you say, no, no, that's what the church is for. Look, I know people who bring their kids to church on Sunday. They have no interest in God. They have no interest in Jesus. And if you're here, we love you. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not coming down on you. If I'm talking to you, I, I, I don't, I'm not coming down on you. But they bring their kids to church because they want no spiritual responsibility. They say, that's the church's job. To influence them. And, and it's really not. Look, we get your kids about 52 hours a year. A year. That's it. One hour a week. That's about how long these programs are, our services here. And you get your kids way more than that. If you, you take out the time for school and time for sleeping, you get your kids 2,500 hours in a year. You get that face time with them. And so you are responsible 
for the spiritual influence in your kid's life. All throughout the first half of the Bible, parents are given a serious and heavy command to teach and to lead their children spiritually. Now, this is, this is really heavy, but look at it. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow! That's like extreme, isn't it? How many of you guys would do any of those one things? Write them on your foreheads. No? That's extreme, but this is, this is what they were commanded to do. The point is being made here. If you want your kid to have a relationship with God, you've got to have a relationship with God first. You have to lead your kids spiritually. And so that takes a commitment to grow spiritually first. Here, let, let's try this. Everybody take your fist out just like this. Make a fist. Clench really, really tight. Come, come on. Get your fist out. Let me see him. All right. Got your fist. Yeah, she's waving her hand around back there so I can see it. All right. Great. Got your fist out. Now, I want you to take it and put it on your cheek just like this. Now, most of you, stop right there. I just said take your fist and put it on your cheek. <laughs> And most of you in this room, look where your hand is. Oh, it's right there on my chin. Why? Because you do what you see. Right? There's that monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. That's, that's the point. Kids don't do what you say. They, they do what you do. And if you want your kids to have a spiritual relationship with God, then you need to have one too. Your children's spiritual depth will be a reflection of what they see in you as a parent. And our kids will base their ideas on what God is like and who he is based on what they see in us. Oh, that's humbling, isn't it? The weight of that is on our shoulders. I don't mean to throw guilt on you. I'm just saying that's, that's the reality. We have a responsibility to our kids. When they see you doing things like reading your Bible, make sure they see it. Put your Bible out. Talk to them about what you're reading there. Share it with them. My kids do that. And they come up and say, what you're reading, Dad? And I'll share with them what I'm reading. I'll talk to them about it. Pray with your kids. I know for some of you, this is, this is difficult. It's uncomfortable because you don't really know how to pray. But that's okay. Do it anyway. You'll grow together in that way. One other thing you can do to let your kids see how you're growing spiritually is serve others together. Go serve at the food pantry together. The Heart Food Pantry allows families to serve together. My kids, my family, and I, we go all the time. My boys work the dock. My daughter works the restock. I work the intake, and my wife is a shopper. And then walk around and help people all within that food pantry. Or go serve them. Go serve, go serve the community in some way together. Go do it. Or within the church walls. You can, you can, there's cleaning. We've got children's ministry. You can do all these things together. You can serve other people as a family. And when they see you doing these things, it moves them and inspires them to grow themselves. Last week we were sitting in my house and we were talking with a bunch of people and uh, one of the groups in my home and uh, one of the guys spoke up and he said, you know, I was baptized as a kid, but I recently got baptized back in July and the reason that I did it is because I wanted my kids to see me growing spiritually. I wanted them to see me getting baptized so that they understand, hey, this is, this is what we do. This is how we grow closer to God. These are things that we do as Christians. I think that's beautiful and I think that's powerful. Let your kids see you moving and growing towards God. Lead spiritually because godly parents raise godly kids. Who raise godly kids? Who raise godly kids? That's the way it works, right? 
Look at Psalm 78, 4 through 7. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty works, or wonders, sorry. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So what are you doing to grow spiritually so that you can leave a spiritual heritage with your kids? What are you doing? Third thing you all need is a healthy marriage. Look, healthy marriage equals healthy kids. And the health of your marriage will determine the personal security of your kids. There are lots of things that I want for my kids. I want great education for them. I want them to be, to be financially stable. I want them to have good relationships. But more than anything, I want my kids to be secure. Because here's what I know about secure kids. Secure kids will say no to drugs easier. Secure kids, when they get into a relationship with somebody, in a dating relationship with somebody, will easily hold on to their morals and the things that I have instilled into them. Secure kids will choose their friends more carefully. They'll feel comfortable enough to do that. Secure kids won't give in to peer pressure as easily. Secure kids will more than likely have a healthier marriage someday. And so if you're here today and you say, you know, my kids are the glue to my marriage, right? They're, they're what keep us all together. When the kids are done, I'm out of here. You know, it, I would have to tell you that it shouldn't be that way. You should be the glue to your marriage. You should be doing what you can to make sure that there is passion in that marriage, to make sure that your relationship with your spouse is growing on a regular basis. You need to be that way because untended fires become a pile of ashes. At one point in time, your heart burned for your spouse, but an untended fire becomes a pile of ashes. Don't tell me that it's not worth trying for. You can't tell me that it's not worth fighting for. You know it's true. But everything we do, we do for you. <laughs> Look, Ephesians 5.21 says, Husbands and wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you, know what, do you know what it takes to submit to your spouse? Not just the wives, it says husbands and wives. Submitting to each other. You know what it takes? It takes humility. Mm. That's something we all need a little more of, isn't it? If you want a healthier marriage, learn to submit. The single most powerful tool in relationships is humility. And the three most powerful sentences ever, are you ready? I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I'm gonna, uh, let's all say them together. Let's repeat after me. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. And as long as you're repeating after me, go Buckeyes. Yes. Yes. Look, we have to work hard as parents to be on the same page. This is something you can do in your marriage, some practical applications. Work hard to be on the same page. Talk about the discipline and the direction of your kids. You should visit it regularly. You should talk about what's going on in their lives and decide together because a house divided against itself cannot stand. It just can't. If you say, hey, this is what we're going to do, and your kid, your kid hears that, but he knows that mom's not on the same page, where's they going to go? They're going to go to mom and say, hey, can I do this? And, you know, when dad's already said no to it. If you're not standing together, you will be divided. One of the other things that you can do to make your marriage healthier is to pray together. Look, between a, between a husband and wife, prayer together is powerful. It will have, give you peace. And move mountains in your lives in ways that I cannot even begin to describe to you. 
You say, well, I don't really know how to pray. You're using the same excuses why you won't pray with your kids. Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It needs to be simple. It can be simple, but you need to learn to pray together. We know that 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? A study was recently done about couples who pray together and who spend time doing that. And they said, of that, that, uh, that survey that they did, that, that study that they did, they found that only 1% of the couples who prayed together wound up getting a divorce. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's that old thing in James where it says, you know, if you draw close to me, then I will draw close to you, where God is speaking to us. When we draw close together, maybe pieces and parts of us, the selfish parts, fall off. And we're able to be humble and submit to one another and, and to bring life into our marriage. I'm not sure. I've said this before, and I said it back in the Love, Marriage, Baby Carry series, date nights. You need to make a date night with your spouse a priority. You need to take time to do it. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. It can be a, a Pepsi and a popcorn date night. You know what I mean? Sit on your couch and watch a show and have a Pepsi and a popcorn. Pretty inexpensive, right? Binge watching something on Netflix. Look, the greatest gift you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. If you sacrifice your marriage for your job, you can wind up losing both. So invest in your marriage. The fourth thing you need is rest. Is your current pace of life sustainable? As a parent, is everything that you're doing, everything that you're involved in, is it sustainable over the long term? Because I already mentioned what happens if it's not. You'll burn out. You'll lose your edge. You won't be all that your family needs you to be. And you need to find rest. What does rest look like? You're talking about sleep, Aaron? No, no, no. I'm I'm talking about sleep, but I'm also talking about maybe finding a hobby. Maybe, Maybe you need to find something. Maybe you need to read. Set aside time to do that so that you can get re energized. Maybe it's people watching at Walmart or the airport. Like, I don't know what re energizes you. I can tell you that's a lot of fun for me. If you ever invite me to go to Walmart or the airport to people watch, I'm in. Let's go. And you will see how pastorly I cannot be as we make fun of people. <laughs> but but we, all, we all need to rest and be re-energized. Look, Exodus 28 through 10 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to your Lord God. On it you should not do any work. Who can do that? This is God commanding us to take an entire day and remember him and rest. Who can do it? Let me tell you something. I met a guy this past weekend. He's a Jewish rabbi. I guess that kind of is redundant. He's a rabbi, which means he's a Jew. Anyway, in New Albany, he's flying back on my flight home. And the Sabbath on Saturday ended at 527. Our flight took off at 622. And this guy is running, and I mean running, down the corridor, screaming to the flight attendant at the desk, did my plane leave yet? Is it gone? And she's like, no. and, And he says, good. And I can hear him talking with her. And he comes and stands nearby and he begins to explain why he is disheveled and a mess. He says, I can't do any work today. He said, the Sabbath didn't end until 527. His phone is dead. Not allowed to use electricity. He rested. And I said, what do you do? He said, I, I, I pray, I worship, I rest. Can't do any work. He wasn't even allowed to get in a car and drive. He's committed to that day of rest. And I think that we need to be committed to finding that rest for ourselves as parents. We need to. 
Set aside your emails. Set aside your checklists and your laundry. Make time for that rest. When you're exhausted, you're impatient with your family. You yell at your kids. You make poor decisions. Decisions that you will regret and need to ask your kids and your wife forgiveness for. I'm telling you firsthand. I know it. As much as I've missed my family over the past couple weeks, these last two weeks as we have worked here, I have kind of kept them a little distant because I know I've been exhausted because we've been here. I don't want to make a mistake in my relationship with them. But that's what happens when we, when we get tired. And if we stay at that pace, our relationships are just going to suffer. Continue to suffer. Schedule rest. Schedule your hobbies. Set bedtimes for your kids. Maybe get up a little earlier so that you can read. Whatever it is that you find renewal in. Now, if you're a single parent or a new parent, everything I just said to you is out the window. This is not your time or your season in life, okay? You don't get rest, all right? Welcome to it for the next year or two. Last thing we need is priorities. Look, we can't do it all. We won't always be well-rounded individuals. We need to make some things priorities. For me, one of the, one of the priorities in my life is my health. Now, I'm not trying to look like, like Channing Tatum or Tatum Channing. I don't know his name. My wife would like that. But I'm not trying to look like that guy. But, but I am concerned about my health, and so I'm doing things about my health and dieting and exercising. Make it a priority. Set aside that time. Don't take those calls during that time. Make some priorities in your life because I want to be around when my kids have kids. I want to be healthy for that, and I want to be an example of health for them. Financially, look, I'm not trying to be Dave Ramsey or Bill Gates, but I've got financial priorities so that when I'm older, my kids don't have to take care of me. I've got some planning in place, and we honor those plans. We need to have priorities like that. One of my number one priorities is my character. If I lose my character, if I have everything else, it's all forfeit if I lose my character. We see this on a regular basis, don't we? We get these celebrities, they get in the news, and they, like Tiger Woods' situation. The guy is on top of the world, and then his character flaw causes him to lose it all. Loses his wife, loses his kids. Loses, loses everything, loses respect in the community. Make your character your priority. You know, when I go to parent-teacher conferences and I talk with them, I, of course, want to know how my kids are doing with their grades. You know, I can see that on a report card, but my number one question is, do, do they respect you and obey you? How are they in the classroom? And do they get along well with other kids? Why? Because I know that if their character is building, if they are growing as an individual in that way, if they're getting along with the other kids, if they play well, if they can respect the teacher, if they can say yes sirs and pleases and thank yous. Like, you know, if, if I know they're doing those things, then, then everything else is going to work out okay. Of course I want them to get good grades, but, but their character is a priority. Proverbs 24.3 says, A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Look, if you want a healthy home, it's going to take wisdom, it's going to take planning and thinking through because great things in life don't happen by accident. You say, well, silly putty happened. Okay, great, I gotcha. Maybe that happened by accident, and that is pretty great. The way it steals newspaper imprints. Phenomenal. But most great things happen intentionally. So how are you intentionally investing in your family to have a healthy home? So how do we do it? As parents, we need to have less guilt. We need to have a commitment to grow spiritually. A healthy marriage. You need to get rest. And you need to prioritize your life. Why? So we can pass on these behaviors to our kids. Aren't they worth it after all? Aren't they worth investing that? 
so that your kids can have that for themselves and pass it on to someone else. That's our call. That's our challenge. And it's not easy. God doesn't promise us it's always going to be easy. If you find that verse in the Bible, I want to read it. Say, see God, you said it was easy. Because it's not. We need prayer. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this beautiful day here at Simple Church. For our new home. For your blessing. That has been upon us. Lord, we haven't needed or lacked for anything to be here. You, you, you have provided this space for us in an incredible way. And someday I'll share this story and, and we'll talk about our humble beginnings. And Lord, we're thankful for all those things. But we're so thankful for where we are today because you have brought us here. We pray that all that we do in this place and in this house is glorifying and honoring to you. Lord, today from the word that you have given us, I pray, God, today that as parents you can help us, Lord, to shed guilt off of our hearts and our lives. To engage you and your love and your grace. To be givers and sharers of that grace. To, be, to, to receive it as well. That mercy as well. We can have less guilt in our hearts, Lord. And then that we can have a commitment to grow spiritually. Lord, and our spouses, that we can set aside ourselves and submit to one another. Lord, help us humble ourselves. Give us rest. Give us rest in our hobbies. Give us rest in our relationships. Bless us as we do and make all these things a priority, Lord, so that we can bless and love and share with our kids. God, there's nothing greater than that, and it's going to take a lot of work, and we pray that you help us do it today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.